All right, here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Spencer the Wiz, and this is Adeline. This show streams live from the Fox Sports Luminate Home Loan Studio every Sunday at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, Las Vegas flagship station of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. Our crew, our crew, excuse me, <laughs> includes producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing and being a part of several shows at Lotus Broadcasting, Magnum also serves as a locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network. Just for today, I will be hosting the show for my apartment, and Brian is all the way in Detroit getting ready for the Raiders-Lions game tomorrow night. We are also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and Twitch. The page is called Adeline, that's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Twitter, at AdelineFoxLV, and since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Luminate Home Loan line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor Luminate Home Loan. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Luminate Home Loans is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. To get information or to get your questions answered regarding it, Anything mortgage or real estate related, contact contact Luminate Home Loans today at 702-964-5720. On tap, the Golden Knights taste the bitterness of defeat in overtime. For the first time in a long time, UNLV played their worst second half of football at the worst possible time in a close loss to Fresno. Raiders lose to a D2 quarterback, and the World Series is now tied 1-1. to That's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home, refinance the home you already own, uh, or have any mortgage or real estate-related questions, call 702-964-5720. All right, and with all of the introductions in place, let's go ahead and bring in everybody for the show today. And that does include Brian Feldman, who is in Detroit visiting his dad and getting ready for this Raiders game coming up. Brian, how is everything going down in Detroit right now? Other than trying to figure out this angle on my camera, uh, things are going pretty good, man. It's, uh, you know, what I'd expect in late October in Detroit, it started getting cold. I guess I miss just missed the warm weather started getting cold out here, but, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm happy to be here. I'm looking forward to the game on Monday night, the Raiders and Lions game. Of course, I'll be at Ford field and, uh, more than anything, man, I'm looking forward to seeing my dad. I saw him yesterday. Uh, you're not doing super well, but, um, great opportunity to get to spend some time with him after the show. I'll be heading back over to spend a little more time with my dad. But for right now, man, uh, we're talking sports and we're talking out of line. Appreciate you taking over today, Spencer. Uh, of course. And and by the way, the like you see, uh, the, I just want to let you know, being in Detroit, um, I did end up drinking the Kool-Aid. I got a bit intoxicated. As a matter of fact, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid right now. As you can see, I'll put this right up to the camera lens. And there is Detroit Lions Kool-Aid and my new coffee cup. And I don't really drink coffee, but I'm tired and I am this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I said, the we does include Magnum, who is back in the studio. So I want to check in on him before we jump into Nightcap. How you doing, Chris? I am doing fine, guys. Glad to uh, be on today, I guess. And uh, hoping <laughs> Brian's enjoying the weather in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's getting cold out here. So let's go ahead. Let's jump into it. The Golden Knights uh, technically are not undefeated, but uh, well, we'll see. We'll talk about it right now. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. 
It's time for Nightcap, a couple of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Yeah, the puck does start here, and the Golden Knights are playing or did play in back-to-back overtime games, and last night they did beat the Kings in overtime, which of course is always exciting. Uh, So before we go into it, I have a lot of questions to ask the two of you about these last couple of games, but let's just talk about your general impressions over the last week of the Golden Knights, and we'll uh, start with Brian. You know, um, the Golden Knights have started as well as we can expect them to have started. I didn't want to call Chicago a trap game. I don't think it was. I just think it was a matter of Detroit. I mean, excuse me, uh, Vegas came out really strong. They scored two very quick goals. It looked like it was going to be a runaway. And then Chicago just put the brakes on Las Vegas. They started playing better. In my opinion, it was cool to see Connor Bedard get a goal against against, um, the Vegas Golden Knights. Just the fact to see the kids score. I mean, he's supposed to be the next phenom. And we'll see as time goes. He definitely has some incredible moves. I've seen it. I've watched him play twice now. And the kid is really talented. He looks like he's about 13 years old as far as his face goes. But um, he skates like a seasoned vet. And he's only going to get bigger, stronger, and better. And the one thing I think Chris will probably uh, will probably agree with me here, One of the probably one of the players right now in the NHL that you don't want to get too rough with is a guy like Connor Bedard. I could see it in Chicago that those players have been instructed and talked to and said, hey, if anyone touches this kid, I don't care if we go into a bench-clearing brawl, protect him. And you could see them in protection mode. When anyone gets close to him, the other players on Chicago are kind of looking around like, hey, how is where is this going to go? And no one really bothered him too much in this game, but I think you're going to see that play out. Chris, what are your thoughts as the season goes on with the Blackhawks? And I do want, obviously, your thoughts on the Golden Knights. Uh, still uh, undefeated in the regular, in, in, in regulation, they did lose the one overtime game to Chicago, them in the Pittsburgh, or excuse me, them in the Boston Bruins. The only two teams without a regulation loss let Vegas Golden Knights 8-0-1 and Chicago 7-0 and I should say excuse me Boston 7-0-1 but again back to the uh, Chicago Blackhawks this kid is special but again Chris you know you know the way hockey pans out and you protect your best players whenever somebody hit Gretzky on the whenever somebody hit Gretzky on the on the Oilers Marty McSorley was there to throw an elbow when somebody hit Guy Lafleur for the Canadians years ago uh, Larry Robinson was there to throw an elbow. They're not going to let these players get hurt when you've got a player in kind of Bedard, not, you know, not a big in any sense of the word, physically tall or, you know, physically, he's a skinny kid. Um, he's going to have to be protected, although he can probably skate away from about anyone that comes after him. Yeah. I mean, look, he, he certainly was, was impressive. I thought in, in um, Friday afternoon's game, he had a goal, but what, what they do, what, they, what they're able to do with him and how he's able to skate. Um, look, I mean, the kid's got a wicked shot. I mean, that's that's the first thing. The goal he scored was, was well, if the Golden Knights take care of the puck, he probably doesn't score it. But that's sure. another that's another story. Their, their, their puck play in that game was, was well, it was putrid. Um, but, look, I mean, the, the, the kid's going to have a great season. He's got, unless he's, I don't, I don't think they played yesterday, so I, I have no idea. I wasn't really following but um, if he, he's got three goals on the season and two of them have come against the defending cup champions, so pretty impressive play. As far as the Golden Knights, I mean, look, they, they, they played, I don't want to say down to the Blackhawks because that's a disservice to, to, to the game that the Blackhawks played, but the Golden Knights certainly didn't play their best game on Friday. I thought they played much better yesterday. 
uh, down a, a goal on multiple occasions to the to the L.A. Kings, but they found the way to come away with two points in that one, even though it was an overtime and the Kings do get a point. Look, that's what you'd expect. You'd want this team to bounce back, and they were able to do so. Um, so certainly uh, a good a good follow-up performance for the Golden Knights coming off their first loss of the season last night. I agree. Yeah. And Spence, before you get into it, I want to say, Chris, after the game, Chris actually talked to um, – you know, Bruce Cassidy about that. He asked him the question in the press conference after the game. And I thought it was a good question about, you know, how do you not let this in essence be a domino effect thing where you lost one, a game, maybe you should have won against a team that you know, you're better than I think Chicago's definitely an improved team from last year, but the Vegas golden Knights are clearly better on paper and on the ice. And you lose that game. How do you let that not be a snowball effect? And this was Chris. uh, If you got that one Spencer with Chris talking or asking Bruce Cassidy, the question after the Chicago game on, uh, on, Friday afternoon. Turn around, obviously, game tomorrow night. How do you maybe balance making sure these guys are rem- remnant of the fact that they're not going to do what they did tonight and then just be able to go out and play their game tomorrow? Well, we're a mature team. I'm, I'm sure our guys can look in the mirror and realize they weren't very good tonight, especially the guys we rely on um, a little more than others. So they got to put it behind them. It's one of 82. They, that's what I hope they think. But let's not do it again. Let's not repeat it. Um, division rival. Um, we haven't seen a lot of those this year, so that, that should get our attention right away. And most times when you don't have your best, most good teams want a remedy in a hurry, right? They, they have pride, so that's what I assume will go through their heads tomorrow, that they'll want to kind of be better than they were today just, just because they're professionals. Yeah, so um, that was a great question, and I'd actually like to kind of talk almost about that a little bit in a sense, in that does anyone feel like the Knights are going at a frenetic pace, you know, being undefeated technically, you know, have the overtime loss, but, you know, to this point, getting a point in every game, which is good, right? You always want to win every game, but it's kind of weird to say that, but at the same time, you don't want this team to burn out in the first quarter of the season, but maybe that's not the impression that you guys are getting at all, Um, so when you look at this team right now, where they're at, right, only one overtime loss, you know, throughout the season, which is truly incredible coming off of a very short offseason as they just won the Stanley Cup. Do you guys fear that this team is going a little bit too much, going after every single game and attacking it to the point where it just reminds me of that Tampa Bay team that scored like 100 points in the season. They looked like the greatest team of all time, and then they flamed out in the first round. Same thing with like that Warriors team who had won 73 games. They beat the record, and then they burn out in the finals. Obviously, the only important thing that happens in a hockey season is winning the Stanley Cup. While it is very enjoyable to see them win all these regular season games, do you guys feel like right now you're a little bit worried about this team maybe going after it too much in the early part of the season? Well, I want to hear what Chris has to say for sure on this as well. But I'm going to say this first and foremost, Spencer. What makes the gold, the Vegas Golden Knights special? And yes, one thing that is certain, I'm not going to say that winning the President's Cup, which is the team with the best record at the end of the regular season, is a curse or an omen or a jinx or that anyone doesn't want that prestigious uh, honor. That's not the case. President's Cup's team have won the Stanley Cup. It's like, look at baseball right now. You've got the sixth seed in the National League playing 
playing the fifth seed in the American League in the World Series. I mean, anything could happen in the postseason. So I don't think it's a President's Cup jinx. And I think every team would like to win the President's Cup. Uh, granted, Boston won it last year, and look what happened. Um, but no, Spencer, I don't think it's too toward of a pace. I think this team is very, very special. And what makes them special is their depth. They are such a deep team. You've got four or five guys that that consistently play in the NHL or are healthy scratches for the Vegas Golden Knights that would be maybe a second-line players on some other teams in the National Hockey League. That's how deep this Vegas Golden Knights teams are. I mean, you know, how do you shelf a guy like Pavel Dorofiev? This guy should be an everyday NHL player, and yet the Vegas Golden Knights are too deep. Paul Cotter, I think he cemented a spot on this team to a degree, but again, Anything can happen. I mean, last year they put Michael Amadio on the shelf for a while. Paul Cotter didn't play in the postseason. These are NHL-ready and tested players right now that would be stars. Maybe not stars, but they would be solid, integral parts of other teams in the National Hockey League, first and foremost. And then go to goaltending. Yes, Adam Hill, uh, excuse me, Aiden Hill's a, a late bloomer. No question about it. He's been a late bloomer at every phase of his career, all the way back to, if you read about him, peewee hockey the guy wasn't like the best player on his team or even the best goalie at times but he continues to morph and he comes into his own at every level and he's done that in the nhl is this something we're going to see continue on into the future man he's a big guy i don't see why not and logan thompson yeah he's let in a couple of uh of of cheaper as uh as as as, as high in hockey terminology he's let up a couple of greasy goals but overall logan thompson proved last year he can carry this squad and We've got two, and if you go down to to you know to Henderson, we have three NHL ready goaltenders that could play on other teams and start all three of them. Yeah, I guess to to, to answer the question, no, I'm I'm not too concerned, uh, Spence Brian, because I feel like you 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 look at what this team did at the start of last season. They came out of the gate flying last season, and there really were no issues down the stretch for this team. Granted, you had some guys who hadn't played in a while come into the lineup. You had some guys miss significant time um, over over the uh, season. Obviously, Mark Stone being the main guy there. And, you know, it, it's just one of those things where the, 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 the season is a, is a grind. And there will be moments where this team is not playing their best hockey. And there will be moments where the team is playing really good hockey as they are right now. I think it's just the the, the ebb and flow of the season. I'm not totally. We have, but the key is going to be health, Spencer. If this team even stays relatively healthy, I think they have as good of a chance, not just to win the President's Cup this year, but to repeat as Stanley Cup champions as any team I've seen in the recent past. Chris, what do you think, man? Well, I'm not too concerned, Brian. Um, I think it's it's one of those things where there, this, the season ha- has a grind, right? There's, we always hear that. There's a grind of the season. And like I, like I said, this team earlier or last season, they came out of the gate flying last season. So they played as many games as they've played in their history. They, they had no problem come June, late May, winning these games. You know, and, and look – they're, they're, I, I don't think they care about winning the President's Trophy. I don't think it's one of those things that, that Mark Stone looks at and says, oh, we have to do this. I think, look, you're, you're going to have moments of the season where this team goes into lulls and, and 
Certainly they have a, an, an East Coast road trip coming up here in about two and a half weeks where they, they play a bunch of games on the road starting in San Jose, and then they head east. Um, I'm sorry, starting here against San Jose, and then they head east for about four or five games. I think Montreal and, and D.C. are in there. So, look, I mean, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia games as well. I'm not too concerned about the start. I think this team is just winning hockey games because they're just better than a lot of the teams that they've played. Look, well, Will the Kraken come back and beat them when they play later in the season in Seattle? Maybe. Who knows? Will the Kings beat them at some point during the course of the season? Probably. I mean, L.A. is a good team. But it's about to get a little bit tougher for the Golden Knights. They've got the Winnipeg Jets coming up on Thursday. Of course, Montreal, who, who you know, is, is a decent team, but I wouldn't say a great team or good team by any stretch. And then they've got the Colorado Avalanche a week from last night. So, um, look, it's, it's going to get a little bit tougher. Winnipeg and Colorado, certainly two playoff teams from last year. And Colorado, a team that I feel has every capability of going toe-to-toe with the Golden Knights this season and, and in the playoffs. So, no, the start doesn't concern me. In fact, I feel like I, w- I would have been disappointed if they had started slow. So this is a great transition to my last question for the Golden Knights and that I don't think anyone would blame them if they started the season hovering around 500, you know, just trying to get the season going, getting their legs underneath them. But who do you think has been the most important player for the Golden Knights in the early part of the season? Who has, like, gotten them off to the right, you know, off to the right foot here? Spencer, it's a bunch of players. It is the overall team. We talked about it last week, how so many guys have scored or have points this season in such a short period of time, which, which, which again, accentuates the depth of this team. But, you know, the guy that I'm going to say, you know, two guys, and they're, guys, they're no surprises, and they're original Golden Knights, and I want to hear Chris's thoughts on this as well. But, number one, one of our favorite players since the day he's been here, a guy that it was interesting, I'll say it that way, during the parade, William Carlson. The, the 43-goal inaugural season was, was absolutely spectacular. This guy is a rock. He is cemented himself as not just a one of the best blue collar players in the National Hockey League, but just a guy that you can rely on, a two way player, a guy that can that can play on the on special teams and do well, a guy that is a quiet assassin in the locker room that doesn't come out and not boisterous, doesn't love talking to the press, but boy, can you see how much his teammates love and respect him? And right now he leads the way with three goals, seven assists, and ten points. And the other guy that leads the team this year to this point in points, and that would be a defenseman, Shea Theodore. You know, Chris and I have talked about this before. I talked to Shea Theodore about it after they won the Stanley Cup final. The fact that he was sent down to Chicago in the AHL at the beginning of the 2017 season, he didn't make the initial roster. And, and Chris and I, we, we, we were surprised as well as anybody else that understood hockey. He looked really good trying out for the team. And, and, and he was probably my biggest surprise of a guy that didn't make the initial roster. It didn't last long. He was brought up to, within two weeks, said, to me in the first time I ever interviewed him that he was never going back down again. Talk about a guy honoring something that comes out of his mouth. He made it happen, and he has cemented himself as one of the better two-way defensemen in the National Hockey League. A guy with a great shot from pretty much anywhere. Tremendous tremendous stick where this guy recognizes. Great passer as well. Uh, Shea Theodore, and again, already three goals and seven assists as a defenseman in the National Hockey League up, up amongst the league leaders in points. And I think if Shea can stay healthy this year, uh, 
he can be in he can be in the running for the best defensive player in the year this year. He has that kind of ability because of his two-way skills and somebody that you always have to be cognizant of where Shea Theater is on the ice and especially on power plays. To have a guy on defense that is so offensive-oriented like Shea Theodore, he is really important. To me, you know, aside from the goaltending, which is the obvious, Shea Theodore and William Carlson are my two guys that I say are having a tremendous impact again on this season early. Two of the team leaders, two of the original Vegas Golden Knights, two of my favorite players, and two guys that are necessary for this team to make another run at the Stanley Cup Final. Well, Chris? Yeah, w- William Carlson absolutely jumps out at me. Um, he's got 10 points early on. Uh, you, you, you just look at the way he's playing and, and look, he's playing with Michael Amadio and you know, he, he's had a couple of other guys playing the wing. Michael Amadio has had a really good start to the season as well. But I think, you know, when you, when you look at some of the other guys, I think unfortunately him being hurt right now doesn't really help the team. But I thought, I think Nick Waugh has had some, some really big goals for the team. But if, if you really want to find the guy to me, who, who's kind of, had that 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 really, I, I would say, impressive start. It's Brady McNabb. I mean, we know what he brings defensively, and he's never been a guy who who jumps off the stat sheet points-wise. But, Brian, he's through nine games. Brady McNabb has five assists. I mean, he only, he, he, he's a guy who only has about 15, 17, 20 points a season. To have five assists through, through nine games, I mean, he's on pace for like 40, 50 points. Obviously, I think that'll slow down. But in the early going, you look at a guy who is really more known for his defensive acumen and his, his smart play on the blue line. But when, when, when that guy is putting up points the way he has early on, and he's a guy who did it early in his career until he told me one time he realized that he wasn't going to make it in the NHL as a points guy. I mean, look, he... The, you mentioned it early, though. It's been everybody on this team. It's a total team effort. You you you've had guys like Pavel Dorfeyev who've come up and and four games he puts the, he puts the puck in the net. Uh, William Carrier got his first goal of the season. Brian, we talked about it last week, and the Golden Knights have had twenty two skaters on the season, and all twenty two. Yeah have a point for the team. The only two players who have played for the Golden Knights at this point this season who do not have any points are Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson. And nobody (laughs) expects those guys to put points up on the board. So uh, Ben Hutton, he's got a point through, you know, he he played in five games. He's got a point. Keegan Colasar, Nick Haig, I think, has been really good as well. And he dropped the gloves last night. And he was the guy who made um, uh, uh, Jamie Ben basically dropped the gloves in that Dallas game because he took issue with the hit that Ben put on Mark Stone last year in the playoffs. Yep. The, the the growth and the leadership of, of Nick Haig, to me, has been one of the more impressive things for this team early on. I think we were all kind of expecting Nick to take that next step, but, man, I mean, when I, I, I saw a picture of him when he was drafted, him and Cody Glass, and they were kids. Like yeah. Nick Haig, I mean, he was a tall kid, but he had a little baby face. And now yep. you look at Nick Haig, and he's not a guy I want to mess with. Like, I mean, he's a big he, dude, he, and, and and he's a man. Like, there's no doubt about it that Nick Haig is a man. And, yeah. you know, he he's added a little bit more to, to his shot, I think. And I feel like even though he hasn't put a ton of points on the board yet, I feel like he's a guy who's primed to start adding some offense to his game. I mean, look, Brian, I mean, we could even point to Caden Korzak, who who has done a really good job filling in, and he's kind of taken the job from, from Ben Hutton as being the seventh defenseman. Yeah. But, I mean, 
He's I would agree. With, I would agree with well. that. And and like you said, it's going to be interesting when Zach Whitecloud's healthy and come back. What they're going to do because I agree. Korzak is the one thing with our defensemen. They are all really good players. Braden McNabb is a tough defenseman. I mean, this is a guy that is constantly back checking. He is a guy that 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 gets dirty all the time. And like you said, not a guy for putting points on the board. And Braden McNabb and 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 to me, the combination of having two defensemen like Braden McNabb and Martinez, who's probably in the last or second to last year of his career, uh, you know, those guys just do the dirty work. One and two in shot blockers in the league. I completely echo your sentiments on Braden McNabb. That is as blue collar of a of a defenseman as you have maybe in the history of the National Hockey League and a guy that we the, the Knights love having on. But talking about, again, going with Nicholas Haig, the, the thing that makes Nick Haig great too is he has that potential, as you said, to score goals, but he's also taking over the physicality. I want to say leadership because you've got Keegan Colasar, who that's kind of his role, but Nick Haig is showing, I'll drop the gloves and throw punches with anybody. Jamie Benn is a tough hockey player and Nick Haig fearless against him. And he reminds me to a degree of an old friend of mine and a guy that I played summer hockey with years ago, Bob Probert. Most of the older guys remember than Red Wings. I mean, a guy that could score goals, but also drop the gloves all the time and had a couple seasons where he scored over 30 goals in the league and and had the, and led the league in penalty minutes. That is very rare. Is Nick Hague a guy with that kind of ability? Not sure that kind of ability, but like I said, maybe a poor man's effort there. I love the Knights' chances this year. And Spencer, to go back to what you initially started this with, I know we got to move on. I think the the Vegas Golden Knights are going to be a force to be reckoned with wherever they go. As Chris said, every team's going to have lulls in an 82-game season. This East Coast trip could be trouble for them. But I'll tell you what, if I'm a head coach of any other team and you say, who do I fear the most right now in the National Hockey League? I can't imagine anyone would say anybody other than the Vegas Golden Knights. Yes, we saw what the Bruins did last year, but the Bruins fizzled and died in the playoffs in the first round. The Vegas Golden Knights, that doesn't happen to. And the only year the Vegas Golden Knights had made the playoffs and got bounced in the first yard round is when they got cheated in San Jose in game seven of the first round against the Sharks in a game they never should have lost and a penalty that never should have been called. So the Vegas Golden Knights finished the job, and that's why I think they're one of the most feared teams in the National Hockey League probably in the last decade or so. Tampa Bay was on an incredible run, but the Vegas Golden Knights have just remained consistent pretty much over six seasons. I really look forward to what they they do this year it could be another historic season spencer yeah and i think your guys' conversation kind of proved the point <laughs> you guys started talking about one player and that led to the next one and that's just kind of the whole identity of the golden knights that they are a team and they really do play for each other it's incredible what they're doing it's not a group of talented individuals like they play for each other and they play around each other so it's amazing to see it's really cool uh, as a fan obviously to see it as well so let's jump over uh to unlv which you know, going into halftime, I thought would be a, another amazing win for this football team. But unfortunately, it didn't quite work out. They went into halftime with a 17 to 7 lead, even caused a three and out on the next drive in the second half, but just didn't work out in the third quarter. They gave up 24 points. There was a fumble on a punt. There was a fumble on a handoff. There was an interception. And then boom, boom, boom. The you know, UNLV is down and they have to try to make a miraculous comeback in the fourth quarter and even got to the goal line. But unfortunately, a game ending interception did seal it. And UNLV takes their first gut punch loss of the year. Those are bound to happen. First of all, this is a first year head coach. It's like so easy to forget that that happened. Just seeing everything that's going on, it almost seems like they've always been like this. So they've been building the program for years and years under this guy's foundation in Odom. But, you know, again, it's the first year, a lot of new players, and 
I don't know. It's just the nature of college football. I think you're not playing at home. Those are always huge factors. And they do. They looked vulnerable in the second half. So we'll see. They have a very big gauntlet coming up in the last four games. But I don't know. I want to get your guys' impressions first before I talk about my long-term thoughts here on the UNLV football squad. What do you guys think uh, of UNLV after their first really bad loss of the season? You know, Spencer, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, it, it wasn't a really bad loss. It was a really bad third quarter. Three turnovers in a game will usually be too much to overcome, let alone three turnovers in a single quarter and in three different facets of the game. Um, that's a problem. But overall, it's not a problem. Barry Odom has done an unbelievable job. Chris talked about it last week on the show. This guy is not going to be here long. So, guys, enjoy him while he's here. Forget about yesterday's loss. It's not a bad loss because Fresno has lost one game on the year. And believe it or not, that's to an opponent UNLV's got coming up in a couple weeks, Wyoming, and a, a, a tough game. That's Fresno's only loss. And, uh, you know, they're both, they both got one loss in the conference now. The only undefeated team in the conference is Air Force, who is looking really, really strong this year. And, of course, you UNLV plays them on the road in their second last game of the season. UNLV is their toughest part of their schedule coming up. I think their most winnable game comes next week at New Mexico. And I think the final game of the season at home against San Jose State is also winnable. I think they can win eight games this year. I don't know how. I think Wyoming is going to be a very, very tough game for them. They don't match up super well against that team. And 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 again, um, you know, going on the road to play Air Force, uh, that is going to be, I mean, I don't know how they find a way to win that game. The altitude is going to be tough to play with. And Air Force is a really tough physical team this year. They can air it out, and they've got a decent ground game as well. So it's going to be tough. But overall, I'm not overly disappointed. They played a bad quarter. You've got a redshirt freshman in Jordan Maivea playing for you. I think he gets better each week. Um, you know, I think his football IQ needs to improve, but I think that it will with time. Um, I, I think overall still very impressed with UNLV to where they're at in this point in the season and the fact that they're bowl eligible. I think UNLV does get two more wins. I think they beat New Mexico on the road next week, and I think that they do win uh, the last game of the season against Fresno. I think they lose to Wyoming, and I think they also lose um, lose to Air Force, but that's two and two the road down. Eight wins on, in Barry Odom's first season. Guys, we haven't seen anything like that in UNLV since I've lived in this state in 2004. It'll be their best record they've had. Super impressed. I'll throw this loss away and say, you know what? They showed up on the road, and like you said, Spencer, they came very close to winning at the end of the game, or at least tying the game. Very impressed. Not with this game in particular, but as a whole with this program and the direction they're heading in right now. I just hope when Barry Odom does leave, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, that they scout out and maybe he'll he'll create this legacy that'll open the door for another good coach to want to follow, and maybe a, a string of good coaches wanting to coach at UNLV. But Chris, you got to be happy. Also, you're alma mater right now. If I'm a UNLV NLV grad, this is the happiest I've been since Caleb Herring was at the helm. Yeah, my my, my buddy Caleb, who I get to hang out with in, in the broadcast booth That's a, right. lot, a lot of the time. So it's it's a I lot of co-host. It's a lot of fun because he he's so smart and the way he breaks things down is, is just incredible. But look, I mean, we, we we talked about it. Spencer mentioned all the mistakes in the third quarter that this rebel team made, and yet there they were. In the final few minutes of this game, a drop touchdown pass by Seneca McKee, who my heart breaks for because he's a good kid. And, you know, yeah. it, it's unfortunate that those things happen sometimes. But, you know, they overcame all those mistakes to have an opportunity to send this game to overtime or maybe even win it on the road against a really good opponent, a, 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 a school that has a long standing tradition of being a good college football program. 
that's where UNLV wants to be. And that's where Barry Odom is in the process of taking this UNLV football yep. team. Look, in years past, that third quarter turns into a snowball and they get blown off the field in the fourth quarter and it doesn't look no. like like they were even in the game. But, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're still a young team, as you mentioned, young, young quarterback. And unfortunately, we've seen Jordan Maeva play with fire before on handoffs. Um, sometimes gets a little loosey goosey with the football, so to speak, and and unfortunately, you know, turnover there, and and you know, he had an untimely interception as well. But you know, it's it's just the growth that this team has shown over the last seven eight weeks. I mean, you you can do nothing. I don't care that they lost the game last night. I care that the foundation is being laid for UNLV to to finally have a a program that the city can be proud of because. At the end of the day, it's great we've got the Golden Knights. It's great we've got the Raiders. It's not so great that the A's might be coming here, but we've got the Aviators. <laughs> there, there, there's really only two teams that, and I'll, I'm going to I'm going to say the Aviators are one, and I know the Golden Knights are Vegas born, but I'm talking about people who've been here a long time. There's only two teams in this town that have basically been here from the beginning of when the city started to become a a legit national city that was more than just the strip. And that's the aviators slash stars slash 51s and UNLV athletics. And, and, and the UNLV is the original hometown team. And I feel like so many of us have wanted something to be proud of for so long. It's nice to finally have that. And Brian, I disagree with you. I think they beat Wyoming. I think they're better than Wyoming. I think Wyoming's a really good team and very well coached. But I like the Rebels at home. I think, listen, I think they win three of their last four. I think they get to nine wins. I wish that Wyoming was the last game, was senior day, the last game. I think I would I would feel a little bit better about that because I think they'd be coming off of a loss to Air Force and they'd be really motivated for senior day, which is why I think they beat San Jose State, who's not, no slouch either, but they're better than San Jose State. But they may, they could win three or four. And Chris, with Barry Odom and his ingenuity and, and his ability to reach these kids and get the most out of them, who knows, man? The sky's the limit. I hope they get a decent bowl matchup because I would love love to uh I, I would absolutely love to see them uh go to a bowl game and actually win it it would be cool as hell but i know we got to move on spencer so go ahead you're running the show let's go yeah i just wanted to mention it'd be really cool to see them in some of these bowl games like maybe the las vegas bowl if they uh win three of their last four i don't think that's out of the question i don't really know what the requirements are for them but i know that those are some you know popular ones or the idaho potato bowl the new mexico bowl <laughs> stuff like that it would be really cool to see. We'll, we'll end up seeing that. I would but, like it yeah, somewhere close because I've talked to one of my friends already, and we're road tripping. If the game is within an eight-hour drive from, from Vegas, I'm going to road trip. If not, I'm probably not going to go. But I would drive up to eight hours to go to a bowl game. That's how impressed I am with Barry Odom and this UNLV team. I'm excited for him, and I would like to be there. I'll go cover the bowl game on the road. I think that'd be cool as hell. Yeah, and what a difference a year makes, doesn't it? Like last year, if they had snuck into a bowl game, I don't think any of us would have been motivated to go 30 minutes outside of our house. Houses no, watch that and, and Spencer, last thing I'm going to say about this is Chris and I attended that that special lunch with Barry Odom that he had, you know, that was like a private little media lunch. We were beyond, and I mean beyond, impressed with him, the way he handled himself, the way he did 
pull any punches, the way he didn't blow any smoke up our asses. And he basically said, look, I know that I have to win or I'm going to lose my job. I'm not here to rebuild. I'm here to win. And and I thought that was unbelievable. Even though that's an unwritten rule and we all know that, it's nice to hear a coach verbally express that. And to this point, it's like with bosses that I've had in my life with different jobs. The greatest thing you can say about any boss or any job you've had is I've never been lied to about my by my superior. The longer you've been there, the better chance you have of getting something fabricated. Uh, you know, Barry Odom to this point has been who he says he is, and that to me speaks volumes of who Barry Odom is and what he what his potential is. It's just a shame, unfortunately, UNLV. Even though I think there's a possibility of them maybe shifting conferences, especially with what's going on this year, maybe they can convince Barry to stay here for a while. I just don't see it. I think big schools are going to come calling, but I think that the culture of UNLV football before he leaves can be changed enough where it would be a lucrative job for somebody else to come and take over. And again, I don't want to talk as though he's going because he's going nowhere. It's his first year. But when you see a guy have this kind of success, ultimately at a program that has not had any kind of a football presence since maybe Randall Cunningham was their quarterback, and that was only because Randall Cunningham was their quarterback, you could say John Robinson, he was a big name that came here, but UNLV has never really had somebody to create a, a football culture. And I think Barry Odom, God, he might be the guy, and I can't even believe, be, believe I'm saying it. Go ahead, Spence. All right, so yeah, it, it is very exciting. This is the most. In fact, we're so excited that we're nervous that everyone's going to leave, and the season's not even over. I know, yet. right? So that just tells you a lot about the current situation of college sports here in Las Vegas. We'll talk quickly about the World Series, and you know, Game One proves that baseball is one of the best sports in the world. Still, the product isn't that great, but the sport itself. When you look at Game One. When you look at the way that it went down, just proves how amazing the game still is and how great it could be if they were able to piece it all together. I just want to quickly say two things before I hand it over to you guys. Uh, two things that I think are worth mentioning very much so. Garcia is on one of the greatest you know runs in postseason history in MLB. 22 RBIs is the same or is a re is a record. He has 22 RBIs just this postseason. It was previously held by Cardinals David Freeze. And also Marte is on an 18-game winning streak, which yeah. is also a baseball record in the playoffs. 18-game Brian's usually streaks. wanted to bring up these kinds of stats, but yes, I thought, I you know, it. since I'm hosting today, it would be my turn to do it for you, Brian. Uh, but those, are, I think, are not random stats. Those are just straight-up incredible stats that the fact that they're both happening at the same time in the same postseason is incredible. And uh, it just feels like these two guys are just going to slug it out for this entire series. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And yeah, when you said Martel was on an 18 game, Martel was on an 18 game winning streak. You actually meant an 18 game hitting streak. Hitting streak. And yeah, yeah and uh, and it is it is it is really impressive, especially some of the guys he's faced and just finds a way to get to the ball. He is, to quote an old cliche, he's seeing beach balls right now. Uh, I mean, when at the plate, he is just seeing everything, and it is such a fun season. When again, we need to talk about two underdogs. You know, the Texas Rangers blew it the final weekend. They lose the division at the very end to Houston, but then get redemption by taking them out in the ALCS, which was awesome. And of course, the Rangers have never won the World Series, uh, which would be really cool. And I mean, the Diamondbacks won their first World Series game since they won the World Series at the beginning of this century. I mean, you know, 20 plus years ago, and they finished with the sixth seed, 
both these teams kind of backed in. They played well at times, and they both had great spurts during the season. But right at the end, they both faltered. I mean, the Diamondbacks got in by default as a sixth seed, and like I said, the Rangers went from having the set the you know having the third seed in the American League, or excuse me, the second seed in the American League, and getting you know get winning the division to being the fifth seed and having to go and play a wild card series away from home and go to Tampa Bay and beat them, and then then beat the best team in baseball in the Baltimore Orioles and then earn the best team in the American league, I should say. And then, you know, take out the defending world series champ Houston, Texas has been amazing. And so you think Texas, they win game one, the way they do, they're going to run through this thing. It's going to be Texas. And Arizona says, no, we're still Cinderella, baby. Watch this. And last night they put a beating on the Texas Rangers. And now you got game three going to Arizona. This is anybody's series. It is so much fun. I love seeing the ex Las Vegas and, 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 and Las Vegas native and then in Las Vegas 51 with the Mets and now Paul Seawald in his mid-30s becomes the closer of the Diamondbacks. If you follow Paul Seawald, read his story. It's a great read and it's a great story for this guy to, in his 30s, finally become a prominent pitcher in Major League Baseball. When he was playing for the 51s, the the, the secret was he was never going to play in the majors. He'd maybe get a cup of tea and look what's happened. Great stories all around. Both these teams are great stories. You got a team that's never won the World Series, a team that's won it once, and two teams that nobody at the beginning of the season or even when they made it to the postseason expected either one of those teams to be in this position right now. I am super stoked about this World Series. I don't spend a lot of time watching baseball during the regular season, guys, but when when I've got a postseason like this with two Cinderella teams and two teams that aren't normally there, this is a lot of fun for me. I'm so happy to see the Dodgers, the 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 the, the freaking Braves, and the Astros out of the playoffs and gone right now. This is heaven for me. Spence. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry, I didn't know if Chris had anything. No, to no, say, we, but... we got we got to fly. I know we got so <laughs> many things. That's why Chris is looking at the log and saying, "Let's go forward." But uh, yeah. but the next game again, you know, they play tomorrow night back in Arizona, and uh, it's going to be a hell of a series. No, it is. And I just wanted to say that feeling of that game tying home run in game one. I mean, those are just some of the best feelings in sports ever. I remember when Ben Zobris hit that game winning hit in the World Series. Uh, what ended up being the game winning hit. It's just yeah. a feeling that I don't know. I think in baseball, just because you get to sit on it, like it's happening live and you know it's going to happen, like you know they're going to score. There's just something that like intrinsically like about it is just like so exciting and just makes it very unique from the other sports uh, that we're used to. So let's jump over to the. Uh, to the bones. I was going to do fact this because normally, Brian, you do cover the Raiders for Fox Sports, but tomorrow you'll be there as a Lions fan. So it's got to be a weird dichotomy before you to see uh, the team that you normally cover playing your favorite team, obviously, that you've been watching for your entire life. So, uh, you know, let me get your thoughts on tomorrow's game. I know it's got to be really exciting to be there. Ford Field is, you know, one of the more exciting environments just to be in in the NFL in general, not just as a Lions fan. So what do you think about uh, tomorrow's Monday night matchup? You know, Spencer, I, I couldn't be more, obviously, like you talked about, I couldn't be more excited about tomorrow's matchup. Both these teams, which which is, which is you know, surprisingly for both of them, they're both coming off embarrassing losses in different ways last week. I mean, the Raiders went to Chicago to play what a lot of people think, along with maybe Carolina, is the worst team in the National Football League this year. And, uh, you know, Justin Fields being out, you've got Pageant, a Division II quarterback who, you know, out of nowhere, a free agent 
to make the team starting, getting his first NFL start. And at times during the Raiders game last week, Spencer, and I know you're a fan, but they were making this guy look, this kid look like an all pro. I mean, you know, this shouldn't happen. You shouldn't be able to jump from D2 to starting in the NFL. I don't care if you're at home. I don't care what it, the situation is and play like he did against a team that have players like Max Crosby on their team. You know, that was surprising to me, Marcus Peters. It, it's surprising to me. But, um, you know, and then the Detroit Lions. I mean, I didn't want Baltimore wasn't a trap game. Baltimore was uh, was Baltimore was the result, the culmination of rhetoric. The Lions rhetoric, how good they are. Jared Goff going on publicly saying we can beat anybody. I like the confidence. But then you're going up against a guy who might be if he's not the most gifted athlete in the National Football League. He's one of them in Lamar Jackson. And the guy played the best game of his career last week against the Lions. I mean, Lamar Jackson is tremendously talented, guys. He can run the football as good as any quarterback in the National Football League. He's a running back playing quarterback. He's elusive. He's big. He's lanky. And he's got good arm strength. But the big knock against Lamar has been always been consistency. Staying healthy, consistency, and mostly consistency in the passing game. Leading receivers properly. Like Caleb Herring says, to play in the NFL, you need to be able to throw four different kinds of passes. Lamar has had trouble dropping it in the bucket on long passes, hitting certain windows. Against the Lions, Lamar Jackson looked like Joe Montana in his heyday when it came to throwing the football. Everything was on fire. He was hitting receivers where sometimes they would show the receiver catching the ball. There wasn't a lion in the screen, for God's sakes. I'm like... Did their defensive backs go on vacation? It was unbelievable. But that was what happens when you talk so much and what I've been saying all year about the Lions. Shut the hell up and just go out and win, okay? But Lamar Jackson said, you think the Lions are good? Watch me, friends. And he did, and he played exceptional. Lamar Jackson will not play every game like that, but I'll tell you, But if he does, he'll be MVP in the NFL again, I'll tell you that, because it's hard to perform the way he did. You have to have special, God-given gifts to play the way he did against the Lions. That all being said, the Lions got embarrassed 38-6 to in Baltimore. Detroit wasn't in the game from the first drive, and I think that is going to spill over to this game. I think the Raiders will play better than they did last week, but I think, put it this way, if the Lions don't win by double digits, I'm scratching my head Monday night saying, wow, maybe they're not who we all think they are, or maybe they're just depleted by injuries. But to me, the Detroit Lions have to come out, establish themselves, and they have to win this game by double digits. Or I'm not going to say they're a pretender, but I'll tell you what, they're not who I thought they were. Yeah, and I wish I could tell you like all these notes about the Raiders game, but it really just felt like nobody showed up. Like I wish I could say, oh, if they had just not started Brian Hoyer, I think the Raiders would have won that game. But that's just not true. The Raiders couldn't stop them running the ball. Like, they the couldn't get out of their played, own way. Yeah, they played like he played okay. You know, like he definitely made a few good throws here, but they, he didn't beat them. Right? They ran the ball on the left side, and the Raiders like could not stop them one time. It was like five, ten yards. I mean, the running game is what really killed the Raiders. And then you know, you just put a little cherry on top of this kid who can throw the ball, you know, 10, 15 yards down the field, and there you go. That was the end of the game. Uh, you know, Brian Hoyer looked terrible, uh, although I will say, and I guess I'll ask you guys too. you know, the results, obviously it shows that maybe you shouldn't have played Brian Hoyer, but before the game, I don't know, I defended it. I think Brian Hoyer was the right choice. Uh, I just think that, you know, a bad deflection, a missed field goal. It's just so crazy how bad they played. It's like, it almost felt like jet lag. And then, you know, it just kind of 
snowballed on top. And in the second half, they played even worse, which well, well, is well, just really embarrassing. Let's let's be honest. They they started the game great, right? They go down the field, and then unfortunately, Daniel Carlson, who apparently suffered some type of nick during uh, preseason warmups or, or pregame warmups, he he misses the field goal, right? You, that that never happens, but that kind of set the tone. For the rest of the game, my my issue more so is with what Josh McDaniel said after the game when he was asked about not starting Aiden O'Connell and his response is, this isn't the preseason. Dude, the guy started two weeks ago. So it's not like you, 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 you see the guy every day during practice. So he's either good enough to play in the league or he's not. Um, so the, the, the it's the preseason comment just kind of didn't sit well with me. Um, look, I mean, there, there were a lot of ways he could have answered that question. He just could have said, look, I thought Bobby gave us the best chance to win. Uh, he had no problem bringing O'Connell in a mop-up duty. Uh, look, Bobby or Brian, I was Bobby Hoyer. Brian Hoyer played fairly well, I thought, you know, uh, in the second half against the Patriots. I felt like he had to go with him last week because he played so well the week before coming in in, in, in injury duty. But, look, this isn't a good football team, and my worry – is that they might quit. Like they, they 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 looked like they quit in that second half last week against the Bears. And if that's the case and it carries over to this week, it's not going to be good. That being said, I think it's going to be a really close game because I think the Raiders have too much pride. I, f- I feel like guys like Max Crosby are not going to allow that locker room to just not show up. Brian, I, I, I hate to tell you, but I, I think the Raiders are going to be in this game. I think you're going to be sitting on your sitting on your hands and 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 biting them. Because it's it's going to be that type of game for you. Yeah, and Jimmy Chris, D does come well, back. I just, I just want to say I want to see a good game. I'm here, and I hope the Raiders do show up for their sake. But the one thing I'll say, and I know we got to we we don't have a lot of time, Spencer. You can elaborate on this to end this segment. But you know, I know you have defended uh, you, Josh McDaniels on on a, on a few different occasions. Um, I'm telling you right now. These guys don't want to play for him. They're not happy with him all the way from Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby. To hear what Max Crosby and Josh Jacobs said a, a, a week ago about when Richard Sashi was here, when the Patriots were here two weeks ago, I should say, that told me everything I needed to hear. They were ranting about how much they loved Rich Passaccia, knowing this is going to be printed in the Las Vegas Review Journal, knowing that McDaniels is going to hear about this. They didn't care. They don't respect the guy they don't want to play for him and i'm sorry guys he's got to go and i don't think that, that the raiders team is that 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 will be that much better without him i just don't i i'm gonna say he's a def- decent offensive coordinator let him go be an offensive coordinator somewhere else the raiders need to make a change and i think by the end of the season i think everyone will agree with me that doesn't right now yeah, but I mean, also Dan Campbell won like three games over the course of the first two seasons with the Lions. So but that was Dan Campbell's first stint. Yeah, Spencer, that was his first stint you, you as head coach. Compare. And look what he's done with it. McDaniel's been a head coach before, and he's failed before. Oh, that he's, was a, I mean, he's another Belichick. He's another Belichick. He's another Belichick bombed coordinator, in Matt my Patricia, opinion. Bill Charlie Belichick Weiss, does not mentor Romeo Cornell. The list goes on. Uh, yes. Look, I mean, Brian, I'm not, I'm not calling for the guy to be fired, but look, I mean, I think I think how they play on on Monday night is going to be real telling for Josh McDaniels' future because if they just come out and don't show up, they they're they're done. They're done. I'm sentencing him to the old British sentence when someone committed murder. The guillotine. He goes to yeah. the guillotine. Chop his head off. That's the end of <laughs> well, it. I'm, yeah, I'm that done was, with that. That was the French Revolution, yeah. by the way. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I, I just saw a, an old Charlie Chaplin film where he was sentenced to the guillotine in old England for, for being a serial killer. It was pretty interesting. But anyways, Spence, I, like I said, and guys, the Raiders have a lot of things to shore up. But I think yeah. the first thing is you've got to have leadership that is respected by the players. And I don't think the leadership right now is respected by the players. That's a problem. For Chris to even suggest that they might quit. A good coach never allows his team to quit. He finds a way not to let that happen. And I don't know that, that he's the guy to prevent that from happening with this team. When I rem I'll never forget after the, after the Pittsburgh game, we're talking to Josh Jacobs in the locker room, how disappointed he was that they kicked the field goal in that fourth down and ultimately lost the game. He was furious. And you could see it. He wouldn't say it. All he said is put his head down and goes, I guess, I guess we trusted in our defense. He was pissed. It was a bad coaching decision, one of many that has been made by this regime. It's got to change. It's got to stop. And and the only way that happens is change the head, change the, the figurehead. And that's uh that's the head coach. All right, man. I know we got to get to the, the pick. So let's do it, Spence. Yeah, go ahead. Um, well, I guess, Brian, you can pick first in Detroit. I don't know if you or no. Well, I'll just tell him. Let's let's first? just tell him whatever. Remember. Let's tell him what happened last week. OK, last week, the scooper, our prognosticator was the only person that uh that actually got a win last week finally he caught up to the rest of the pack magnum is still in front because magnum uh, even though he lost uh he is still winning he is still leading leading the way right now with a four and three record mags last week took uh, the rams uh three and a half to pittsburgh they lost 24 17 the rams did i should say spencer took the browns giving up three and a half the browns won by only but a point and i took the tampa bay buccaneers giving up two and a half they lost outright to the Falcons 16-13, but man, the scooper knew about the Ravens. He was right. He didn't say Lamar Jackson was going to have the best game of his career, but they were given the Lions three. They won 38-6, one of the biggest lopsided games of the weekend. Scooper, go ahead and pick first, man. We've got about a minute left to go, but uh, give us your pick. We're going to go Denver plus seven, a little bit of a buy low, sell high spot. Kansas City has Miami next week in London. Let's look for the Broncos to hang tough. He's, he's taking the Broncos to hang tough, and it is a seven-point spread. Kansas City going to Denver in some bad weather there today, and he's saying the Broncos are going to cover that seven-point spread. Spen, uh, Spencer and guys, I'm just going to go. I'll go quickly. I am going with my Detroit Lions. I know it's you're, the Raiders should play better. They're giving up eight points. But like I said, if they don't win by double digits, I have to start questioning things. They're too good. They're at home. They got embarrassed last week. They got to blow them out this week. Go ahead, guys. All right, since you guys all jumped ahead of me last week and ha I had to pick two different games, I'm jumping ahead today. When are you ever going to get the Pittsburgh Steelers getting points at home? I'm taking them today. I know they've been inconsistent. I don't. I still don't know if I fully trust the Jaguars. It's not going to be great weather-wise in Pittsburgh. I think it's going to be a sloppy kind of game. I like the Steelers at home getting the points against the Jags. Getting two points at home, the home dog. Spencer, wrap it up. Yeah, I'm going to take the Eagles. Washington has the absolute worst offensive line in the NFL, and the Eagles just so happen to have one of the best defensive fronts in the NFL. I think Jalen Carter has his biggest game of his career, like two sacks, and then probably a few other guys get in on it too. I, I think uh, you know their quarterback, Sam Howell, is on a historic pace in terms of the amount of times that he's been sacked. So that is going to do it. Uh, Brian, do you want to lead us? I can lead us out. <laughs> no, yeah, lead us out, Spencer. I'll just say that right. the Eagles, the only thing I don't like about that, you took an NFC East rivalry game. You watched the Redskins beat the Eagles in in in, in uh, the Redskins. How about the uh, Commanders <laughs> beat the Eagles in Washington today? Yeah, we'll see. I, I feel very confident. But that's going to do it for today's show. This is Out of Line. I want to thank Brian, 
I want to thank the scooper. I want to thank Magnum back in the studio. We are here live every Sunday from 8 to 9 Pacific Standard Time. So be sure to watch us on Twitch. Be sure to watch us on YouTube. Be sure to watch us on Facebook. We're everywhere. Uh, but that's good for today's uh, episode or show. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Go Lions!